Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello, lovers. I am so excited to be here with you today, sharing some beautiful and expansive wisdom. Before we get into the meat of this episode, I'd love to take this opportunity to share with you a couple of new incredible offerings one of which is Turned On By Life. This is a self-paced online course to take you from wanting, wishing, and waiting to turned on by life itself. I love this course because it encourages the participants to explore different modalities, including pieces of spiritual intimacy, embodiment, mindset, and artistic expression to create your own tantric lifestyle. Creating a tantric lifestyle has been so key for me in building a life that I am truly obsessed with. Uh, you know, to me, it all starts with this energy. This energy that brought us into the world is the energy that touches every part of our life because it is innately who we are. So this course is all about harnessing this inner power for a pleasure filled life that feels so juicy. You're left overflowing with purposeful desire. So this opportunity can be found at www.talktantratome.com and then click on the work with me tab. And another offering that can be found at the same exact place is the business magnetism mentorship. This mentorship is for you if you are desiring to step into purpose with the full confidence and assuredness of your gifts. We need your gifts. We need your light. We need as many expansive and awakened souls as possible to step into leadership, to create evidence of new earth in their lives, relationships, and businesses. So if you have a new or slow growing business or desire to start a business in the healing or expansive modalities, and you have this big vision, but are not really sure where to start or if it's even possible or just finding yourself you know, working against yourself, maybe you have imposter syndrome or an inner critic, I am here to help you get out of your own way. So for more information on that opportunity, again, www.talktantratome.com slash work with me. If you are new here, it is so great to have you. And if you are a loyal listener, welcome back and would love to hear your thoughts in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. If you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. Now let's get into the episode. 
Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I'm going to be sharing a personal experience, sort of a bit of a life update, something that I've been giving a go uh, out of curiosity and intention, and that is intentional or conscious celibacy. So what is celibacy? Celibacy is the practice of not having sex, withstanding or abstaining from sex. And we can define this in many different ways. Some people refer to celibacy as, you know, taking uh, a pause indefinitely from all kinds of sexual intimacy or contact from, you know, penetration and, you know, penis and vagina anal, all that stuff, all the way to even kissing or holding hands. Um, And others may define it as only refraining from a certain type of sexual activity, such as penis and vagina, but maybe anal is okay. And there's all kinds of variations in the middle of that that um, may be adapted depending on what your intention and boundaries are. And I fell somewhere in the middle of this when I you know, invoked this practice into my life, which has been over the past month. And I'll get into more details as to why I did this and how it went uh, as we progress through this conversation. So um, it's all about intention, essentially what it comes is what it comes down to. And this is a common you know, theme of this podcast, of this work. If you are new here, I like to say there is no right or wrong or good or bad. It really comes down to getting in alignment with your highest truth and determining what beingness and course of action is going to uh, assist you or be an ally to that timeline of evoking your highest self. So for me, um, this is really kind of the first time that I've chosen celibacy as a practice. I've generally spent I've generally speaking been quite resistant to celibacy because I felt that it was, you know, a recipe for shadow and distortion to come out. Um I felt that celibacy kind of went against our nature as human beings that are primal and animal as well as deeply spiritual. And to me, the human experience is really about integrating these pieces together. I also felt like celibacy was something that spiritual quote-unquote, people used to repackage sexual shame and guilt and fear. To me, celibacy is something that I've seen ripple through the spiritual world, and I always held it with a bit of curiosity as well as resistance. And that's not to say that I don't respect individuals that have chosen celibacy at various parts in their journey. Um, as I have inevitably chosen this, but I've always, um, questioned the motive. And I believe that there's lots of people that are using celibacy in a very intentional and high vibrational way. And I also feel like there are many that are using a celibacy from a place of fear. So abstinence, you know, 
is an element that plays into this. And it's something that I feel is one of the reasons that I've been so resistant is because abstinence was something that was taught to me as a virtue in my youth, um, both from church and also from school. So school sex education is what I'm referring to. And my parents perpetuated this belief as well. So abstinence usually means that there is a decision to abstain from penetrative sex. And oftentimes it's limited to a specific period of time, such as until marriage, which the most religions um, tend to perpetuate this this value, this virtue. Um, and yeah, or maybe it's until love or, you know, there, there's so many ways that someone might instill this. But for me, and I think for many of us, abstinence was something that was said to be the standard until marriage. And I think that that practice can be very, very beautiful. And it has been very, very beautiful, I'm sure, for, you know, countless humans. And I don't think it's for everyone. And it certainly wasn't for me. So uh, chastity and celibacy, there's lots of interesting sounding words that are in this episode, like chastity and celibacy and abstinence, a little bit of a tongue twister here. So chastity and celibacy are oftentimes linked together, uh, again, especially if you are, you know, considering celibacy for a religious or a cultural reason. And when we think of the word chaste, it's usually associated with a sense of purity, like a sense of like, I'm chaste, I'm pure, I'm virtuous. And to me, this is inherently unhelpful (laughs) because sex is also a pure, beautiful experience that I believe we've put a lot of fear and dirtiness on as a way to... Um, keep people from the most powerful energy in their bodies. And this is a foundation of my work in which you'll hear repeated in many of my episodes, which is that our life force energy, our sexual energy is the most powerful energy in our bodies. And it is the energy that created me and it created you, the listener, and it created everyone else in the entire world and all of the animals and all of the plants in the world were created by some sort of, you know, procreative energetic exchange motivated by arrows, life force, sexual energy. And when we begin to honor this energy as such, we see that it touches every part of our lives because it is the fabric of our existence. It is the fabric of who and what we are. So when we harness that energy, when we honor it, we become incredibly powerful. We become incredibly powerful because we are able to manipulate and control it. And that is very threatening to institutions government bodies, religious bodies, etc., that are in control. When their subjects are empowered via their sexual energy, these individuals are not as easy to manipulate or sway or control because they are empowered. So to me, it was a deliberate 
move by these institutions to make people afraid of this energy so that they could be so that we would be easier to control a little conspiracy theory ish for some of you but it's my it's my truth take it or leave it um if it works for you adopt it otherwise good for me not for you so continuing on here uh, in some religious communities, you know, chastity has aligned with the religious text and it often ends with marriage. And, you know, there's even this promise that you will have this beautiful afterlife and marriage because of your choice to abstain, which may be true for a lot of people. And also I've worked with countless individuals that have said they waited for marriage and then were severely disappointed because of that choice. And it's not to say that that wasn't their path and that pain didn't evolve into some sort of purpose, but there's evidence that we're making some false promises here (laughs) in these religious communities at times. So Again, just like with everything else, if you're going to invoke celibacy or chastity or abstinence in any way, shape, or form, my suggestion is to get clear on your truth. Get clear on your highest truth. What, where do you want to be? What is your highest self? Who does he or she look like? And there's a beautiful meditation somewhere in the podcast that is all about connecting to your highest truth. Let me see if I can just pull up the episode number for you. There's actually two episodes that are really great, but one specifically is about connecting to your higher self. And it's a it's a visualization-based meditation that may be a great ally for you in determining if this practice of celibacy is in alignment. So it is going to be episode 46, Embody Your Highest Self Guided Meditation. So let's get back to the episode that we are currently moving through. As I said, it's all about intention, getting clear on your truth, and then determine what energy will support that higher self coming to fruition. And the actions or energy that support the higher self coming to fruition will look different for each individual and will also look different for the individual depending on where you are in your journey. As I've mentioned, I've never really valued celibacy much in my experience up until now, but I got to a point where that felt like the energy that I needed to evoke a higher version of myself. And I also knew it wasn't going to be a indefinite or extended period, but I also felt intuitively that it was time. So as with any, you know, course of action, conscious celibacy can be used intentionally from a place of fear or from a place of expansion. So I feel that a lot of people use celibacy or abstinence from a place of fear. I won't go to heaven if I don't um, practice celibacy. 
my, I won't find a loving, devoted partner if I don't practice conscious celibacy. I will be seen as dirty and used if I don't practice abstinence. I will get an STD. I will get pregnant. I will become distracted from my goals and purpose. Like there are so many reasons. And, you know, a lot of those are perpetuated by religion. But there's also a lot that are even perpetrated in the spiritual communities. I went to a Tantra training, a Tantra training that requested we abstain from sexual activities for the entire month. And this is the closest that I've gotten to conscious celibacy. But to me, it wasn't really my choice to do this. It was like a rule that the container set. So I don't even consider it like my own decision, even though I did for the most part follow through on that uh, that suggestion that was made by the container. Um, this was at uh, a a container that I did called um, Durga's Tiger School in Ecuador. And I have to say, overall, I think that um, that experience was an incredible investment for me. I learned a lot and I didn't agree with everything that was taught there. And again, this is something that I repeat very often in the podcast. When you're approaching any sort of lineage or teacher or guru or book, approach it from a level of discernment saying, you know, I'm going to listen with an open mind to any and everything that is offered by this teacher or whatever, and I'm going to question each piece and really feel into, does this land within me? And I don't have to take the whole thing and adopt it all and make it my new religion And I also don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And just because I disagree with one thing, I'm going to completely um, abandon all of the other beautiful teachings that I actually do resonate with. So that being said, I learned a lot from this training and I learned a lot of things that I don't agree with. (laughs) And I feel that if you're listening to this podcast, my suggestion is to do the same with all of my content. I hope that you don't agree with every single thing I say because I want you to find your truth. I'm just here to be a mirror for you in finding that. My hope is that everyone tailors their uh, experience and their lifestyle and their tantric way of living to what works for them and is in alignment with their highest truth. So as I was saying, I did this training uh, two years ago and it was a month long and the suggestion was to abstain from sex for the entire month of the training. It was very much a white Tantra training. If you're familiar with white, red, and pink Tantra, white Tantra, generally speaking, um, asks you to abstain from sex with others, from meat, from alcohol. It's a very like masculine, disciplined path, whereas red Tantra is the opposite. And I tend to adopt all of them and love all of the pieces and make my own little pink Tantra. So I believe that in that container in which they proposed this rule, that It was a little limiting for the participants. To me, I felt like there could have been a way to empower us with more sovereignty 
And at the end of the day, they didn't force anything. It wasn't like they were like, if you have sex, you're going to be kicked out of the container. Um, it was a suggestion they made. So to a degree, actually, we did have a level of sovereignty. But I, I, if, if I were in charge of the container, <laughs> what I would have suggested is such. The reason that they didn't want us to um, engage in sexual activity was they felt that it would distract us from the meditative qualities of the white tantric path. And to me, I feel that they could have empowered us with using more discernment. Instead of saying, don't have sex, say, here are the benefits of not. Here's the benefit of using your discernment. Here is how to integrate your sexual desire in a very conscious way, rather than saying, don't do this at all, personally. That being said, I had, I didn't, I didn't have um, any sexual I didn't have sex with anyone on the training um I did engage with one individual um in some sexual play honestly I don't even remember exactly what happened but uh I believe that there was some I know that there was some touch that happened there might have been oral play but there was definitely no you know full intercourse and I felt really in alignment with my decision to move forward with this this individual was very different from anyone I'd ever interacted with before they were actually um, very gender fluid they went by the they them you know um, pronouns and that was the first time I'd ever interacted with someone like that and I felt that it was a very beautiful edge for me to explore as well as an expansion so I feel really in alignment with that and I'm happy and in full um, resonance with that decision so that being said um, there also really wasn't anyone that I was that excited about in the container that I would have that would have been like a traditional person for me to approach um so yeah, in to to backtrack, the reason that I'm telling this story is that this was the that was the closest that I had gotten to intentional celibacy, but I didn't feel like it was fully my decision, um, and it kind of just was like happenstance. Like I promise you, if there would have been someone in that container that I was like gaga over and just like felt super drawn to and like yummy about, I would have had sex with them. But there really wasn't that in the container. There was this one individual that I felt was interesting and I was attracted to for very different reasons and I decided to move forward with it. Um, so <laughs> this is that's one example of a way that I feel that a container uses fear to um to evoke celibacy, a fear of you're not going to be able to focus on your studies if you have sex. That's basically what they told us, in my opinion. And there was some expansion in that they also said, you know, you'll be able to focus on your studies, which might lead to like greater ability and higher states of consciousness consciousness for you. But to me, there was a shadow as well that was coming from a place of fear. I also see a lot of spiritual women that do these things called like man detoxes or they say, I'm ready to call in my, um, my soulmate partner and I'm going to like cut out all other like loves because of that. And I honestly don't fully disagree with it, but I also am a little bit like, hmm, 
Hmm. <laughs> I don't fully agree with it. And it's going to be, oh, this is going to sound a little bit contradictory when you hear what happened when I um, invoked this into my practice. But to me, even a month before I decided to do the conscious celibacy, I had some amazing, delicious lovers in my life. And I also had a deeper longing for a deeply committed partnership. And I felt conflicted. I felt really conflicted because I felt that my conditioning and a lot of these teachers were saying that for me to call in my soulmate, I would need to release all of my other loves. And I couldn't have additional lovers. I couldn't have the level of openness that I desired. And so I had a lot of fear running through my body around this, that it was like, oh, I'm going to have to give up these amazing, this amazing freedom if I want to call in my soulmate. And I actually decided, what if I didn't have to do that? Like, what if I could have both? What if I could have the freedom that I deeply desire and other lovers and have a deeply committed long-term partnership that could include marriage and children, et cetera. And that was the pillar that I decided to hold. So (laughs) it's tracking. It's tracking yourself and tracking where there might be fear. And you may notice that this episode compared to some of my others is kind of flowing everywhere in a really um, juicy and a little bit of a messy way. And I have to be honest, I'm really just flowing with this episode. (laughs) I typically take a lot more notes than I did with this one, but I just intuitively felt like I wanted to see where it went. So thank you for bearing with me. But, you know, staying on this theme of recognizing where is your conscious celibacy coming from fear or is it coming from expansion? So to me, I see a lot of these women that are going on these male detoxes and I'm kind of like, what if you're, what if by doing that, you are closing the door, slamming the door in the face of an individual that you could grow with into it being a deeply fulfilling long-term relationship? Or what if you are slamming the door in the face of someone that has the exact medicine you need to evolve into the person that will be able to receive your soulmate? These are some of the reasons that I'm questioning of the celibacy that is perpetuated in these spiritual communities. Um, other, you know, fearful reasons that I kind of touched on before, fear of pregnancy, fear of STIs, fear of the temptation of sex, seeing sex as sinful. Um, another reason might be fear of intimacy. I just need to focus on my work right now. I've got this business I'm running. It's just not the priority. And that's valid. I, I've had periods of my life where, um, I felt that I wasn't, prepared for partnership because I really wanted to be, I actually have a friend that's going through this exact situation right now where she met an incredible man and she's building her business. And in her last relationship, 
she stayed in it for much longer than she should have, than she feels she should have, because she felt like if she left, she wouldn't be able to take care of herself fully. He was helping her. They were they were, had a lot of shared expenses. So like she knew that her rent would go up if they broke up. She knew that her groceries would go up. All the things. So she stayed in the relationship out of fear of not being able to take care of herself. So now she's single or she was single and she started dating a new guy and things started to get serious really quickly. And she felt like she shouldn't commit fully to that partnership until she has the evidence that she can fully care for herself and that her inner masculine is strong and solid in that pillar before moving in with someone again. And this is like not exactly celibacy, but you can see how like I agree that there are places where you create space in an expansive way from intimacy and there's fearful ways that it's like there's so many people that avoid getting into relationships or avoid sex because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of being abandoned. They're, they've been hurt so badly that it's easier for them to just make the excuse of work or um, something else instead of um, opening themselves up to the pain that comes with love. The deeper that you meet pain, the deeper your capacity to receive love. Another reason that someone might be using fear to um, rationalize celibacy is just not being seen as like not spiritual enough. Um, like, oh, if I'm a slut, then I'm like if I'm if I'm secretly a sacred sl- uh, sacred slut, then um, I can't be uh, a spiritual evolved being. Um, and that's just not true. You could be poly as fuck. And be having tons of sex with the intention of I'm I'm in the energy of wanting to radiate and explore the depths of my love in a physical experience by fucking a ton of people. And to me, that is like a super expansive intention for polyamory, for example. But a lot of people feel that the more spiritual sacred path might be monogamy or might be celibacy or might be celibacy until you find your soulmate. And for some people it is, as I've mentioned, it all comes down to intention. And for a lot of people, I also feel like it's a fear-based decision. (sighs) So I've mentioned a little bit of my reasonings for why this has happened in religious contexts. And in terms of spiritual context, I'd like to speak into that a little bit more and to kind of feel into why I think this has happened. So if you are someone that is devoted to the path of expansion, if you are devoted to the path of um, expanded states of being, of being in alignment with your highest self and constantly evolving and growing, you're likely living a life that has a high level of intention and meditative practice, tantric lifestyle, if you will. And we discover in this path that it can be very beneficial to recognize your old patterns that you may be living in or reinforcing in your behavior. It can be helpful to stop those 
for a period of time to allow them to die off and for new, more expansive, true patterns to take root. And this is amazing. And I, this is the foundation of my work. If you've worked with me before in any of my containers, you will understand that this is a big piece of what we do. But to me, um, I think that this has been misunderstood um, and has been warped um, to see sex as one of those patterns that we disrupt. And it, and it is. Sex gets to be a pattern that we disrupt sometimes. And I believe that some of the effects of this patriarchal, religious, wild, shame, guilt, fear complex has seeped into the space and has made sex a bad thing for spiritual progress and has seen the attachment to others, including friends and family and loved ones, they've made this attachment out to be immature. Um, and I think that this is a huge disservice because to me, you know, this has caused a lot of suffering and a lot of confusion for people. And it's grown stronger over time. And ultimately, you're expansion is not really about the external behavior as much as it's about your internal journey and your intention. And these relationships, whether they be a sexual relationship or a familial or friend relationship, are some of your greatest allies in expansion. You, When you are mirrored by another and go deep in committing to that, it is like the fast track to evolution. Ah, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Um, that was actually really the catalyst to my spiritual growth. I was hyper-independent for a long time in that I, I felt so abandoned by the people that were supposed to love me, that I decided I didn't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I'm completely fine by myself. Nah. And I left the country. I fled the country under the name of adventure, but really it was a way for me to show that I didn't need anyone. I don't need anyone. And to push myself away when in reality that led to a really deep depression and a lot of loneliness. And I realized I actually do need people. Independence is not about not needing people at all. (sighs) What is independence about? This is like a whole other podcast episode that I need to create. (laughs) Um, We'll set that intention. But for now, to me, Independence is about taking ownership and taking responsibility for your experience and yourself. And we get to have experiences such as interdependence. So I'll leave it at that and get back to the celibacy. So 
again, to me, these relationships do not hinder our enlightenment. They actually are our greatest allies oftentimes. And they can be beautiful expressions of love and devotion and of seeing the divine in ourselves and in another. So how can conscious celibacy be used intentionally? And there are many ways. There are many, many ways, I'm sure. But I'm going to focus on my experience. So here's what happened. Here's the timeline. <laughs> um, about a month and a half ago, I had a couple of beautiful lovers in my life. And I was challenged by them. And I was growing through them. And I also recognized that I had a deeper longing for a primary partner, for a soulmate, for a husband, father of my children. And I wanted that. So I wrote down all of the things that I would want from that individual, want to have in that partnership, how I wanted to feel. And there's a beautiful episode of the podcast called Manifesting Your Ideal Lover or Partner. It's episode 48. And it stands true. Um, I did it. I've done this several times and every time it works so fucking well. I don't want to speak too soon, but, um, I, I've, I've done this probably like four or five times now. It's the same process every time. And the, the title of the episode is how to ideal you, how to manifest your ideal lover or partner. So your ideal lover or partner might look different depending on where you're at. So in the past, I, most recently, I decided I wanted to manifest my um, baby daddy, king, like divine partner, right? But in the past, I would write things down like, I want to manifest a partner that is um, my partner in growth. They're going to help me grow. Or I would like a long-term partner. Or I would like a lover for fun that's amazing and juicy and we play, right? So it can be anything. And in the past, I've gotten like if I – even at the end of a relationship, when I thought that I was manifesting like m my long-term partner, I looked at the list after and it was like I got exactly what I needed and wanted from that. Okay. I'm getting a little distracted <laughs> from the purpose of the episode. This is what happens when I don't take notes, but I also feel like I'm giving you guys lots of really juicy stuff, so I'm not even upset about it. And I need to just let go of my judgment of my, um, my side stories. But a month ago, I did this process again. And what happens when you manifest especially when you're asking for something that literally will change the course of your life, um, your life changes very quickly. And you get asked by spirit to do things that you never thought that you would do. So I called in this partner and within a week, um, I started to have conflict with my two lovers. Um, and it became very clear that they weren't in resonance with my highest truth anymore. And I didn't, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> it got really messy. Um, and that's not to say that, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I still want a primary partner that allows me the freedom to have other lovers. 
But those lovers were not the type of lovers. The amount of energy that I was giving them was not in resonance with the type of energy that I would be giving my um, secondary partners if I were in a primary partnership. So they started to shuffle out. They started to vibrate out of my life. And um, it was organic in some ways and also deeply painful. Uh, So that happened. I also started to process more deeply my past relationship, which was with someone whom I thought I would marry potentially and have children with. And there's an episode all about that that is called, it is called Conscious Uncoupling, episode 62. Very personal episode in which I talk about my um, ex, my former partner, whom um, we had planned to have children together. Um, I'm really happy that didn't happen. (laughs) And I still was holding on to some of that beingness. I realized when I I decided I was ready to call in my actual um, husband and father of my children, I realized that I was still holding on to some of that dream with my past partner. In fact, to be very vulnerable with you guys, I actually felt like the spirit baby that we had like felt was still attached to me. And I think I mentioned in the conscious uncoupling episode that this like spirit baby, we had like three psychics tell us there's like a baby in your orbit. But I also knew it wasn't mine. I read this amazing book called Spirit Babies recently. Highly recommend. And it says in the book that – that when like spirit babies can attach themselves to usually they oftentimes they attach themselves to one parent or the other and that spirit baby has either a past karmic link from another life or like has a certain skill that the baby wants to learn or karmic lesson or something with that one parent and I knew that that baby wasn't mine because I had never felt it before. And it also just felt like his child. But the child was like, I would be okay with me being the mother. Like, I would suit that. And that's why he was showing up for both of us. And so in the first couple of weeks after I did this manifestation, I felt the baby there, like, kind of throwing a fit about the fact that I was calling in a different man when this baby was so clearly belonged to my former partner. And I kind of had to do like a little bit of like an exorcism to, you know, chat with the spirit and say, hey, you get to get a new mom that's actually going to be a lot better for you. I'm not it. Um, Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. So that's happening too. I'm having like all of these like energetic shifts happening. I'm a mess. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating properly. I'm having emotional release every day. Um, And it's beautiful and complicated. And this is what happens when you, again, manifest something that could potentially change the course of your life. So all of this happens and it's around the full moon. I started, I manifested my ideal partner on a new moon. I wrote down all the things. I took a whole day off work to just focus on being in that energy. And then in the next two weeks, everything was getting messy and vibrating out that wasn't of service. 
And then I went to this full moon ceremony. And it was in L.A., where I'm currently actually. It's beautiful. LA is such a big part of my journey. I don't live here anymore, but a lot of you guys know I used to. I come here very often though for work. And at the last full moon, about a month ago, I was here and I was in this process and I went to a full moon ceremony run by my friend Grace, who I have an episode with her on the podcast too. I'm just shouting out all the episodes today. Actually, I have two episodes with her. One is abortion as a spiritual practice, which is episode 49. And the other one is about astrology. It is episode, excuse me, episode 30. Astrology is a tool for expansion and empowerment. So Grace hosted a full moon circle here in LA. And I'm having all these things happen and I go into the ceremony and I'm really, the full moon is really about releasing. So it was kind of perfect. I'm releasing all of this shit, all of these beliefs, all of these patterns. I'm like, fuck me open. I'm done. (laughs) I'm not doing this shit anymore. As I mentioned earlier, you know, when it comes to spirituality, we discover that the way one of our greatest tools in self-evolution is to disrupt patterns. And I get this download in the, um, in the ceremony, I get this inkling of you need to go celibate for a month. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I really don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I hear you. I hear you noted. Maybe that was my decision. I was like, maybe we'll see. And I didn't want to tell anyone about it, which they say, if you're going to make like a declaration or a commitment, like say it out loud. And I was like, I'm not telling anyone about this because I don't know if I'm going to keep this. So I'm not going to even say it. (laughs) But I also felt like it was true. I was like, I actually do feel like I would really benefit from that. I feel like I could use some time intentionally to come home to myself to focus on my own pleasure, to heal, to disrupt my patterns. Um, And I trust myself enough to be in the energy of discernment. Um, So it was really, to me, it was kind of this idea of like, okay, so here were the, here were the rule, rule, rules, quote unquote, that I set for myself. I said that I was for sure going to still self-pleasure. That was not even a question. Um, and I was still going to go to play parties and <laughs> cuddle and be sensual with people, sensual touch, all of that good stuff. But I wouldn't have sex. I wouldn't have penis and vagina sex. And I gave myself a way out, which many people would not recommend, but I find that this is how I thrive the best. When I tell myself, I trust you. I trust that if you meet someone that is so amazing that you really feel like it would be a disservice to you in the relationship to not wait, then do it. Have sex. But I trust you. So it better be it better be worth it. It better be the right person in the right time and no one else. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can get on board with that. So that's what I did. I did that. I made my own rules. 
And it's been amazing. I actually loved it. (laughs) I actually loved my month of conscious celibacy. And it's almost a full month. By the time this comes out, it'll be a full month. It's currently August 9th. Um, actually maybe it has been, no, I started I'm one moon cycle. I shouldn't even say month. It's going to be one moon cycle. So I started, I actually technically started even before the full moon. I so it has, it actually has been a full moon cycle now, but I started a couple of days before the moon cycle, but I declared it at the full moon ceremony. And in two days on the 11th, August 11th, it will be full moon again. And I haven't had penis and vagina sex for a whole month on purpose. And the cool thing is that it happened really naturally. As I said, I kind of had lovers just like naturally vibrate out of my life. And the other really cool thing is I had a new love vibrate into my life. And it's been cool because um, normally I would have had sex with him by now for sure. Um, and I actually met him at one of my, um, sensual conscious kink events in Austin months ago. And we, um, just were friendly until recently, um, literally like two days after the full moon ceremony or a day is it might have just been one day. It was one or two days after that full moon ceremony, we reconnected and I started we started to just see each other in a different light and it was really interesting. So, anyways, um we've been dancing in the place of it was it was first of all really cool because we were in a group, we were on a group trip at the time and there were lots of things going on. I had kind of had this celibacy um like thing that I was, you know, playing with at that point. I like hadn't even fully committed to it. I was like, I think I'm going to be celibate for the next month, but I'm not fully sure. <laughs> and um like I had this stuff in my personal life happening, so I wasn't even just feeling super like sexual for other people. And then he also had some messiness in his life that made it feel like it wasn't fully in alignment with him for him to engage sexually. So we just talked and cuddled and it was amazing and like you know allowed the intimacy to evolve very naturally or inorganically and it almost has been feeling like I don't know if this has happened to anyone or if this resonates but when I was a teen and I was you know my first sexual relationships you know it was like every like base like first base was such a big deal and then second base was such a big deal And it just happened very gradually so that each new sexual experience or new type of touch felt like monumental. And I haven't experienced that since I was like a teen, which was really cool to be like, wow, like the first kiss was like such a big deal because it had been like, you know, like over a like it had been like spending like so many hours together wanting to kiss and not doing it. And then we did. And it was like, wow. And it was like that when he, you know, touched my breast for the first time. And when I saw his cock for the first time and like, you know, all of that. So essentially we've played within the bounds of everything, but right. Um, 
but it's been like very slowly moving in that it was like just a few days ago that we explored oral for the first time, right? Um, so it wasn't like we immediately went to the edge of our boundary and like pushed it. It was like one thing at a time. Like it was like weeks before I saw his cock. And then it was like even more time before I touched it, you know? So anyways, you guys are getting all the juicy details. Um, but yeah, so it's now been a month. TBD. I'm not going to give you guys all the juicy details on the consummation, um, but I would love to close this up with some of the cool things that I learned. And that was to really give myself space to be stubborn and to trust my intuition and to let go of my resistance towards the resistance towards celibacy, to, to trust myself, to use this as a tool intentionally from a place of expansion rather than fear. It was also a lesson in like seeing the power of like surrendering and letting go and like trusting the flow of life. Um, it was a beautiful way for me to prioritize myself to prioritize my needs, prioritize my pleasure, to get back in touch with my body. But I also recommend if you're going to invoke conscious celibacy to, again, get really clear on your intention and to not bypass your desire, to really carefully consider, why am I doing this? And to give yourself space to fuck it up and to make mistakes and not judge yourself or make yourself bad or wrong if you slip up. Uh, when we put aside the sexual guilt and shame and sense of like, I call it spiritual superiority complex or syndrome, spiritual support, superiority syndrome, SSS, when we put all that aside, that's when it becomes more easeful and the spiritual awakening become it becomes so much more organic. So as I said, I definitely recommend, you know, considering doing a little bit of sexual shadow work before going into a container of, um, of conscious or intentional celibacy. This is something that I'm super happy to help you with. If you want to jump on a one-to-one, reach out to me. Um, currently, I am offering one-off one-to-ones, depending on when you're listening to this. I may or may not be. Um, and then I also offer um, three to six month containers around um, building a tantric lifestyle in which we can focus on this piece because it is a program that's tailored to you. So if you're interested in those opportunities, go to www.talktantratome.com, click the work with me tab, or just shoot me an email or DM me on um, Instagram. I'm happy to, to give you some more details. And I also have a free offering for you, which is a sexual shadow work workbook. And that is at talktantratome.com slash free. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. If this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in their views. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your views also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day, and I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to Me. Ta-ta!